Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series called Grit, and this is the last week. We've really, it's been a four-part series, and what we've been doing is we've been just been taking each letter of the word grit and talking and having a conversation about that. The G was gratitude. The R was resilience. I was last week. We talked about inspiration. And, and T today, I want to talk to you about tenacity. Tenacity. And really what this is, is this is when we say grit. It's really this concept of us saying, okay, well, what does that mean? People use it, people don't. Or it's really this concept of this, uh, this, this determination Determination that is undeterred by confrontation. It's a determination that is undeterred by any confrontation, struggle, no matter what I walk through, I'm determined to do and be who God's called us to be. And we believe this without grit. It's really, really difficult to grow. I believe growth is an, grit is an ingredient of growth. And I want to show you that in James chapter 1, verse 2. It's been our text for the whole series. It says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, grit. Let perseverance, let grit finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The ingredient growth, I want, I want ingredients of growth. I want to be mature. I want to be complete. I don't want to lack anything. Well, you have to have this grit, this perseverance, and you have to have gratitude, and you have to have resilience, and you have to be inspired and also you have to have tenacity. And when we say tenacity in Jordan's terms today, tenacity is this concept of whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to what it is God has called me to. And so it's this tenacity is whatever it takes. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says this, Paul shows us this. And he says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on toward, I'll press on, excuse me, to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, check this out, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And then I press on, again, he says, I press on. I have this, this tenacity, this whatever it takes. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me to, called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I have this, this tenacity, this whatever it takes to press on, forgetting the things that are behind and pressing forward uh, to what God has for us. And it takes this whatever it takes attitude, personality, not personality, but passion to really see God move in our lives. In the scripture, in John chapter 15 and verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking. Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to talk to you today about tenacity in this, whatever it takes attitude, and what do we have to kind of have whatever it takes for. We have to be willing to say whatever it takes to sit. Whatever it takes to sit. Now you're like, sit, what do you mean? And I'm not necessarily talking about sit like you are right now on a chair. That's not what I mean. When I say whatever it takes to sit, I mean what the scripture says right here, Jesus is talking about, it's abiding. 
It's being with. This whatever it takes to sit in his presence, to be with him, to abide in him. The scripture says, apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we are not able to bear fruit. If we want to bear fruit, if we want to flourish in life, we have to abide in him. And so if that's the case, then we have to have this tenacity, this whatever it takes mentality. If we know apart from him, we can do nothing, that we cannot flourish without him. If we know that's the truth, then it should start with this tenacity to say, I got to sit and be with him. I have to have this whatever it takes mentality to be with God. Why? Because I want to abide in him and I want to continue to abide in him. Why? Because in him is where I truly flourish. Now, the scripture doesn't say we, we, you abide in him and you'll bear fruit spiritually. It says you'll bear, we'll bear fruit, meaning this, in all areas of our lives, you want your marriage to flourish, abide in him. You want your, your, your walk with God to flourish, abide in him. You want your job and you want your, your, your opportunities and you want a promotion and abide in him. You want to be a light in your community and you want to have peace of mind and you want to have joy in your heart, abide in him. From abiding, we bear much fruit, the scripture says. And then from bearing much fruit, the scripture says, this is where we are able to walk and live and, and be who God has called us to be. And so if that's the case, then we must understand the importance of abiding. It's the most fundamental thing of Christianity, being with Christ, being with God, taking time out of our lives and being with him and abiding with him and walking with him. It's the most fundamental thing. It's actually the only thing that separates us from some religions. The thing that is different about the religion of Christianity, if you want to call it a religion, is the fact that we have the privilege of serving a God who is alive and so that now we can walk and be in relationship with him and so we can abide in him and from abiding in him now we can flourish because of him in our lives. But we have to have this whatever it takes mentality of abiding, of sitting and being with him. It's the most fundamental thing of Christianity, but yet sometimes it's the most difficult thing for Christians to do. It's interesting to me that the most fundamental thing of Christianity can sometimes be the most difficult thing. We can make it, it can feel like an obligation or it can feel like it's, we're not passionate about it or it can feel like a job. But, and so then we end up not even get abiding and that should be the most fundamental thing. It's, it's interesting because we live in a culture of Christianity where never before, I don't think, where so many people wanna spend an eternity with God. Everybody wants to live in heaven. We wanna spend an eternity with God, but nobody wants to spend time with God. We want to spend an eternity with him, but we don't want to spend time with him. It's this concept of, I want to abide in him now. I want to, I want to walk with him now. I want to be with him now. Why? Because I understand if I do that, my life will truly flourish. And it's this whatever it takes mentality. It's the most fundamental thing. I've said it five times. I'll say it again. The most fundamental thing. I know the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and the most fundamental thing of basketball is dribbling. If you don't dribble, it'd be very difficult to win any games. You might be able to go out there on the court, but you're going to struggle bus. It's the same thing with Christianity. You might be able to come to church and you might be able to, you might be able to play the part. And you may be able to sing the songs and you might know the songs. You might, you might be able to, but without abiding in him, we are gonna struggle in this life because apart from him, we can do nothing. Sitting in his presence. And I'm excited about the month of June and July. We're gonna be doing a series starting next week called Refreshing Your Soul. We've been doing a series called Refreshing Your Soul. Super excited about it. And we're, um, the tagline is Summer in the Psalms. 
and summer in the Psalms. So we're gonna literally just, my, my tagline is this, we're just gonna sit in the Psalms. The book of Psalms and the Bible in general, but the book of Psalms is such a refreshing book for our soul. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna all collectively together, we're gonna, go, we're gonna just walk together through the book of Psalms, which I'm super excited about. In fact, my staff, which I'm so grateful for, we, they created this uh, reading plan that we'll walk through June and July. This is what it'll look like. You don't get this ne- yet. You get it next week, you know what I'm saying? But if, so you gotta show back up, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so it'll be f- for the month of June and month of July, we'll, it's a few chapters each day. And my heart is this, is we can get caught up in our doing our devotions and reading our thing, checking our boxes and make sure we're doing it. Okay, we did our time with God and so now we can live our lives. And I, I, that, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's excellent. But I wanna take time as far as, as believers, as a church, I just wanna sit. I want you to journal. I want you, as you, if you call Experience Church your home, I'm talking to you. If you're a guest, you can do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? We love you. And so, uh, but if you, if you call Experience Church your home and you've been coming for a while, I'm gonna give you these plans and I, I wanna challenge you. To, it's only a couple ch- chapters a day and so you may be used to reading more than that. I don't, I, you don't, you, that's great. You can read more than that, but I want you to really sit in Psalms and do this. I want you to journal. What is, as I read chapters one and chapters two and chapter three, what is God speaking to my soul today? Because here's what's happened in our culture and our society. We have gotten to the place of where we've created this concept of church is where I hear God. Church is where I get refreshed. But that's not necessarily abiding. That's being uprooted and planted every week. Uprooted, going to the world. Now I gotta go get planted. I'm refreshed and I gotta go back into the world. No. I wanna create this, this concept of where we abide in him every day. We sit in the Psalms. We let him refresh us, renew us. And so I'm gonna challenge you to read it with us. I'm gonna challenge you to journal with us. And again, I'm just believing God's gonna refresh our souls like never before. And so I'm super hyped about that. That being said, that has nothing to do with the message. That's just a sell for next week. Okay, good. So you, may be, you might be out of town. Join us online. Okay, good. But no, seriously, I, I believe it's so important that we take this opportunity as far as Christians and we say, okay, I wanna be a people that abide I want to be a people that understand the importance of abiding. And people say things like to me all the time, well, you know, I just don't have the time. I, I, I try to read my scripture and I try to pray and I try to spend time with God. I just don't have a lot of time. Well, I would say that Netflix probably could argue that with you. I would say that your phone would probably argue with you that you don't have the time. In fact, your phone will actually not just argue with you, your phone will call you a liar. How do I know that? There's an app that literally tells you how much time you've been on your phone. And if we put those screen times, if we got on these screens what your screen said, some of y'all would be real nervous. Come on, somebody. We say we don't have a lot of time, but here's what it is. Oftentimes, we, we don't realize what we're doing is we, we have time. We're just giving our time to something that's not as important. And here's what I know. We always give time to what we truly value. And so if abiding in Christ and abiding in God really is something that we value, then it has to be this whatever it takes mentality. I have to make time. Why? Not because it's something I have to do to get God to love me or to get God to care about me or to be a good Christian. That's not it at all. I have to because without him, I am nothing. And I can't do anything without him. And I can't be who he's called me to be without him. And we can try and we can strive and we can do our thing on our own, but it all comes back to understanding if we really wanna be people that God has called us to be, we have to be people that start and know. 
whatever it takes to sit with him, to be with him. It's the most valuable, important thing that we can do. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power and in his mighty power. Put, all the full, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And then he says, put on the full armor of God. Then he says this, so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. Be strong. He's not just saying be strong so you can look good. He's not saying be strong just so you can look like you're a good Christian. Not being strong just so that we can look like we have it all together. No, be strong so we can stand against the enemy's schemes. The enemy of our soul has schemes against, he's got strategies against you and I to try to get us to fall away from God or distance ourselves from God. And so the, the Bible here, Paul is writing in Ephesians. He said, listen, I want you to know, I need you to stand strong. I need you to be strong. What does this tell us? It's, we have to be a people that say whatever it takes to sit in his presence and abide in him, but also whatever it takes to be strong. A tenacity, a radical heart that says whatever it takes to be strong. We are living in a culture and a society that is radical. We are living in a society that is radical. Maybe more than ever before. I don't know. There's some times in the Bible where it was pretty radical. And when I say radical, I'm in a negative way. I'm not talking about in a positive way. The radical for the things of the world. We live in a culture and a society right now that is radical. The church, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about people. We have to be a people that say, okay, well, I, I'm going to be not just as radical, but even more radical for standing strong against the schemes of what the enemy's trying to do in my life. Because the enemy's trying to get us to fall. The enemy's trying to get us to, to wipe out. To, the enemy's trying to get us to, to distance ourselves from God. He's trying to get us away from abiding in God. Why? Because he knows we, without him, we're nothing. Jesus goes a step further when he talks about being radical, standing strong. I want to show it to you in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29. It says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Oh, Jesus, help us. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if you, your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body go to hell. Oh my goodness, Jesus, what in the world? This is real intense. Jesus is like, hey, if your eyes causing you to sin, pluck it out, let's throw it away. Uh, Jesus, uh, can we talk for a second? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but he's shown us a radical mentality of tenacity that says whatever it takes, if it's causing me to sin, if it's causing me to not be strong, I'm going to cut it out of my life. A radical mentality. Now, does that mean that we're going to have after service, we're going to have everybody up here and I'm going to have a knife and say, as you cause you to sin, come on, we're going to cut some arms off. That's not what I'm saying. That's weird. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing that. that I, but uh, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? God called me to be a pastor, not a medical doctor. And uh, I'd be freaking out. Okay. That's not what we're doing. I'd be more than vomiting. I'd be, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Here's the deal. Jesus is radical, and he says, whatever it takes. That's the mindset I want you to have when you're walking in your life with me. I want you to be radical in understanding that you have to be strong against the schemes of the enemy. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, it says, listen, right? I love it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. It says, let us strip off every weight, especially the sin, meaning this, there are weights and there are sins. He's saying in this scripture, I need you to get rid of, cut off both, strip off both. Why? Because sin will hinder you. And here's what happens oftentimes with sin. As Christians, we kind of treat sin like a side hustle. Like we kind of like, oh yeah, it's on the side. Like it's my thing. Like I, I go to it when I need it, but I'm, I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna be a good Christian. But every once in a while, you know, I'll gossip or, you know, I'll get angry when the wife blows up. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get frustrated. I'll, 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 I'll look at those images on the internet. I'll, I'll do this. And so it's like this side hustle thing. But here's the issue. Sin is not a side hustle. It's not something we could just play with. Sin causes us to become slaves to it. And so he's saying here, listen, I want you to know it's important to strip that off. Jesus says, cut it off. Why? Because it's hindering you from really being who God has created you and me to be. Then he goes a step further and he says, cut off the weights. He says, I want you to strip off every weight. See, weights are not sins. Weights are things that will hinder us and, and, or, or, or cause us to become weak to get us to the point where we one day will sin maybe. See, here's the difference, see? Okay, so me, sin is, it's, it's against what God has called us to do. It's, it's literally, it's in the Bible, it's sin. It's what the word says, and we know it's against God's standard. That's sin, okay? That's disobeying God's word, okay? That's what sin is, it's missing God's mark, okay? Weights are things that maybe the Holy Spirit has told me during my time of abiding that are hindering me from being all that I can be for him. And so he's asking me to cut it off. Well, no, well, every, everybody watches that show. For me personally, I'll tell you some of my weights. One of my weights is I won't watch some of the things people watch. Well, no, it's like, the, it's the cool thing to watch. And it's like, it's like, everybody's watching it. I don't know if people do that when they say it, but everybody's watching it. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because it's a weight. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that it's a sin. It means that it distracts me or hinders me from really living out and walking the way that I believe God wants me to walk. So I'll remove it. One of the ones for me, this might be crazy for y'all, is a secular music. I don't listen to secular music. It's not, like the, it's not that I think secular music is a sin. Well, some of it, I'm not even going there. It doesn't matter. But I'm not saying that it is, but here's what, I just don't listen to it. Oh, well, like, what are you saying? Like, that's bad? No, I'm saying it's a weight. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to live with a mindset of looking and fixing my eyes on Christ. And sometimes those TV shows or that music may not let me do that. And so I'm just gonna cut it off. Why? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not keeping me fixed on what I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to be for him. And we have to be a people that are radical that way in our lives. Another one for me, and this might be a real big deal for some, but that's okay. Another one for me is I don't drink. Just don't do it. Like, oh, are you saying, that's not what I'm saying. This is a weight, okay? And for me, I'm like, oh, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean it's weight? Let me explain. Like, I have a very, many, some may know, some may not. I have an addictive type of personality. If I do something, I'm all in. Somebody I told this, I was literally talking to them yesterday about this. I was like, yeah, I have an addictive personality. And they're like, really? No, duh. I was like, oh. Is it that obvious? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. And so here's what I did from a young age. Now there's multiple reasons why I don't drink. If you want to talk more about that one-on-one, -on -one, we can. But one of the reasons is I have addictive personality. When I was young in college, I made a decision, I'm just not going to drink. It's a wait. Well, oh, are you saying like, now if, if I drink, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I hang out with people that drink. It's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not against you. I'm not judging you. See, this is what we oftentimes do as Christians. If we have a weight, then we think we should judge other people on that they should have the same weight. No, that's sin. We judge sin. We don't judge people. 
And so here's what I do. This is a weight that I have. And so here's what I do. I just don't drink. Why? It's because I have to be abiding with him so much so that he speaks to me and reveals to me my issues and my hurts or my wounds or, or my circumstances, whatever it may be. And it'll help guide me to be who he's called me to be. Here's the problem. Nobody spends time abiding. And so we never hear. So now the majority tells us what to do and how to live. Now the majority tells us what weight we're supposed to have and what we're not supposed to have. No, I believe you have weights in your life that the Holy Spirit is calling you to cut off that he may not be calling me to cut off. There are weights in my life that he's called me to cut off that maybe he's not called you to. That's weights. Sin is he's called all of us to cut it out. But weights are something different. But here's the thing. We have to be radical enough and say to do whatever it takes because I know there's a purpose and a, and a blessing beyond the weight. And so I'm willing to cut the weight off because I know God has something greater for me on the other side of it. Does that make sense? So here's the question. Are we at the place, you and I, in our hearts, that we have this tenacity to the point of where we say, okay, God, you're speaking to me. You're asking me for this, so I'm going to cut it out. When I say cut it out, not like when you tell your kid and you're like, cut it out. You know what I'm saying? Not like that. I mean, cut it out of your life. Just recently, I was, this week I was studying and I was working on my computer and I work on the iPad. And for those that are technology, good things, people, I'm not. Okay. And so I'm working on the iPad. And I was trying to get one part of my, my, my message to another part and so I, I circled it, and I, I was like, I don't know how to get it from here to here. And so I started looking it up, and I was like, oh, I know what to do. I have my notes. So I'll show you my notes. I'll show you my notes. So this is what my notes look like. I'm giving you a little hidden. This is before I write all over it, but this is my uh, structure. And, and I was like, okay, I want to try to get whatever it takes. I want to get it off there. I want to put it somewhere else. And, uh, uh, and so I, 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 I end up cropping it and, and cropping it, and this is what happened. Okay? <laughs> Instead of removing it, it was the only thing left. And I was like... Uh-oh. <laughs> Literally, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to get everything back. How do I get everything back? Oh, my gosh, I just lost all my notes. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was freaking out, okay? That being said, oftentimes, it's just cool how the Holy Spirit works. Oftentimes, this is how we are. This is what he spoke to me. This is how we are with our weights and our sin. Oftentimes, we think, oh, no, it's fine. It, I, God's told me to cut it out, and God, God's told me to cut it off, and I know it'll fine, it's fine. It's just, it's just something on the side. It's just my personality. It's just who I am. It'll be all right. I'll work through it. And so here's what happens. We think it's just something on the side, but it ends up being cropped, and it ends up being the focal point of our lives. And then everything that we do is, is based around that thing and not the thing that he's called us to. This is why it's so important that we abide in him. It's not so that we have to, so we can be good Christians. No, I abide in him because the Holy Spirit sees beyond what I can see in my life. And so he says, I know there's a greater life, a greater joy, a greater peace, a greater, a greater love, whatever it is on the other side of this weight or this sin. So I'm asking you to be radical to cut up. Well, nobody, everybody watches it and everybody does it. And it's not a big deal. Yeah, it may not be a big deal to them, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking it to you or to me it's a huge deal because that means it's something that's hindering you or I from really being who he's called us to be it's hindering your marriage it's hindering your friendships 
It's hindering your soul and your joy and your peace. It's, you may think it's just something that everybody does, but it's literally hindering you. Well, no, well, everybody else has peace. It doesn't matter about everybody else. If it's a weight and the Holy Spirit's calling us to cut it off, that means it's hindering us. And so we have to be radical enough. This tenacity that says, whatever it takes, I'll cut it out. So the challenge that I have to have for you and for me, for all of us, it's the Holy Spirit asking you to cut out of your life. Because some things may be fine. Some things may not. But let me tell you this. If you don't get with the Holy Spirit and abide and sit, what's going to happen is you're going to look around. And you're going to let the majority of the people around you be the convictions of your life. The majority will become your convictions. And I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the time, if the majority's do, majority is doing it, majority, I don't know what the majority is. That's like an accent. That's my New Orleans accent. Okay, that doesn't matter. Majority people of people, more than likely, it's probably not healthy. But we can allow the convictions of others, or I say the lack of convictions of others, cause us to just say, okay, well, they're doing it, so I'll, that's fine. It's good. No, here's what it is. Holy Spirit is a abide in you. So abide in Christ. Holy Spirit, I want you to speak to me. As I sit with you, I want you to speak to me. Why? Because I desire to stand strong for you. I want to be with you, and I want to stand strong for you. Lastly, as I close, very quickly, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work of myself, to, the, to myself, by myself, excuse me. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary and Martha are have Jesus come to their home. They open their home for him and you get two totally different responses from sisters. Martha is running around with her head chopped off. She's trying to prepare and she's doing great things. Nothing, none of this is wrong. She's, doing, she's trying to serve Jesus and she's trying to create a meal for Jesus. She's trying to make sure the house is clean. Come on, mom's in the room. You know, you'd be acting cool. It doesn't matter. Anyways, you try to get your house clean and you try to make it look nice. And, and then and, Mar, and Mary just says, you know what? I'm just gonna sit and listen to Jesus. I'm gonna sit and be with Jesus. And Jesus is teaching her. And Martha looks around. She's like, what in the world is Mary doing? What is she doing? Who does she think she is? Does she not know we're supposed to be serving Jesus? And she says, Jesus, tell her. Get up and help me. Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Jesus says there's only one thing that's most important. And Mary's figured it out, sitting with Jesus. But I love this because we get an incredible picture of Martha being running around with all these distractions and Mary being still with Jesus. This is, what I, this is what I believe. If we're going to do have a whatever it takes attitude, we have to have whatever it takes to sit and abide in him. We have to have a whatever it takes to be strong in him, but then also whatever it takes to be still. To be still. You're like, oh, well, isn't that the same thing as sitting? Well, here's the difference. Sitting is being with Jesus. It's being with God. It's, it's abiding in him. I'm sitting with. 
Being strong is I'm standing for, I'm being strong for. And then being still is now I'm trusting in. See, the scripture says in Proverbs, uh, is probably, yeah, Psalms, excuse me, not Proverbs, Psalms chapter 37, verse seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. One of the worst words that is, probably the worst word that's ever come out in the dictionary of all words that we could ever come out with is literally the word patience. Come on, somebody. It is, it is literally straight from, it's from God, but I wish it was from the devil. <laughs> wait patiently. Be still and wait patiently. What does this mean? It means this. I'm going to abide in you, whatever it takes. I'm going to remove the, the, the distance from, from me, to you, me and God, and I'm going to abide in him because from that I can flourish. And then not only that, I'm going to be strong in him. I'm going to cut off the things. I'm going to be radical about the things that are, are not of him and that are weights or sins in my life. And then lastly, I'm going to be still. I'm going to trust in him and say, I'm going to wait patiently, meaning this. I'm, I know that your ways are higher than my ways. See, God's got a different perspective on life than we do. He sees it different than you and I do. He doesn't see it through the lens of how we see it, talking about our lives. And if we get caught up in the way that we see it, we'll stop trusting him, we'll stop being patient in him, we'll stop being still in him, and here's what happens. Then we go and act out on our own. Being still is, okay, God, I'm able to trust you and know that your ways are higher than mine, that you see it different than I see it. And I know that in my life and your hands will always be better than my life in my own hands. Be still. It's removing distractions. There's so many things in our lives that can cause us to be distracted, to keep us from really being still. And when I say being still, I mean you gotta just stand still. That's not what I mean. I mean being still and saying, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna be patient. I'm gonna trust because I know his plan will always come through And if I'm willing to give my life to him. But we have to have this whatever it takes mindset because here's what a lot of us do. A lot of us, we get to the point of where we try to make things happen. We try to do it in our own strength. We try to strive to be successful. But what it comes down to is God's desiring for us to start with this tenacity that says, whatever it takes to abide in you. Whatever it takes to abide, but then also whatever it takes to stand strong and be strong in him and cut off those things, but then also to trust to, to, to be still. I can, I can remove the distractions that are trying to keep me from doing all this. And I can now walk with him and trust him because I know he's got my life in his hands. Here's what's interesting as I close. We oftentimes think that our works, our actions lead to success. This is cultural mindset. Actions and work lead to success. Then from success... Now, my life is full, okay? Actions work. Success, success leads to being full, meaning I have what it is I was successful. I have my, the boat, or I have the, 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 the job, or I have the promotion, or I have the, the house. Or I, I, my life is full because I've, I, my actions, my work, I was successful from being successful, now I'm full. Now from being full, now these things will fulfill me. This is the cultural mindset. Actions work. Success, success, full, full fulfillment. And then after fulfillment, now we can rest because I'm full. I'm rest. I'm, I have full. I'm rested. I, I, can, I can sit because now I know I've been successful and I've, and I've been able to be fulfilled by the things that I've been successful with. That's a cultural mindset. But kingdom mindset is actually the exact opposite. 
It's first I'm going to sit and I'm going to abide. And then from abiding and sitting in his presence, now I'm going to flourish. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be fulfilled in my soul. And then from being fulfilled in my soul, now I'm content. My life is full with all the things that matter because I'm fulfilled in my soul. And then from being full, here's what happens. Now I'm successful. Why? Because success has nothing to do with something that we receive. It has to do with who we're with and what he does and who he is in our hearts. And so now my heart, is I feel successful because now, not because of something I've done, but because of who I am and who I am in Christ. And so now, for a second, and then from there, it overflows into my work and into my actions. And then I'm able to do the things God has called me to do. But it starts with this tenacity, this grit that says whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to be, to be abiding in him and whatever it takes to stand strong when everybody else is doing it a certain way. I don't care. Who cares what everybody else is doing? God, I want to stand strong and be obedient to your spirit and your voice. And I want to be still and know I can trust you with my life because I know my life in your hands is so much greater than anything I can do in my hands. And then from there... The Bible says we have, in James, we have this, this maturity that comes about us. This completion. This concept of not lacking anything. We all need grit. We all need gratitude and we all need resilience and we all need inspiration. We also all need tenacity. I believe this. I really do. I believe this. These four things are the ingredients. There are other ingredients. If you, if you're, I'm from Louisiana, so there's like 15 different ingredients that go into gumbo and then like 15 more. Okay? But these are only four. But I believe these four are key ingredients to growth in our lives, to maturity. And we must be a people, hear me. We must be a people that are willing to walk these out. You're like, oh, this is the first message I've caught. I haven't heard the other, other three. All good. You can check them out online. But I believe this. If we really want to be mature in our walk with Christ, we really want to find that completion in him, and we really want to be people that are lacking in nothing, we have to be people with gratitude, people that are resilient, that can bounce back when life hits us. We have to be people that walk and live in inspiration and are inspired. But then also we have to be a people that have tenacity that says, whatever it takes. Because I know if I do whatever it takes, now what's going to happen is God's going to bring this growth in my life. And I'm going to find this fulfillment, this satisfaction in life that I never could find on my own. Let's be a church. I'm closing. But let us be a church as we close down this series. Let's be a church of people that walk out and live with grit. Amen. Can we pray, Father? I thank you so much.